Welcome to Her Next Play's Power Chat Podcast, hosted by Sarah Wegman and Audra Emerson. At Her Next Play, our mission is to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. Sports build powerful leadership skills, and female athletes have enormous leadership and career potential. In our Power Chat Podcast, we talk to inspiring women leaders about sports, leadership, and careers. Welcome to the Power Chat Podcast with Audra Emerson as your host. I am so excited to have Adrian Jordan joining us today. Adrian is a strategic planning senior consultant at the Prouty Project. She is a graduate of Notre Dame where she played basketball for the famed Muppet McGraw, so you can bet we will talk about that. Adrian's successful 20-year career has included numerous roles at General Mills, she was chief of staff to the superintendent of Minneapolis Public Schools, strategic advisor for the Minnesota Vikings, and director of project and risk management for the Minnesota Super Bowl host committee. Her diverse and unique career path has led to lasting results and successful outcomes for organizations, communities, and people. So thank you so much for joining us today, Adrian. Thank you for having me, Audra. I am very, very excited. Uh, I was just thinking about how all of these wonderful memories popped up as I was preparing for this podcast. So I'm very excited to share and um, just very honored to be asked to be a part of the podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, then let's start down memory lane and talk about basketball. Um, as I mentioned, you played for yes. Muffet McGraw. And your senior season, you were named Big East All-Academic Team. That team ranked fifth in the ESPN USA Today poll, 15th in the AP poll. And you made it to the Final Four and started a dynasty at Notre Dame that would result in making the tournament for nine consecutive seasons. Absolutely phenomenal accomplishments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> congratulations. But what some Thank people... You might not know is that all of these accolades and all of these accomplishments came with a huge dose of adversity. So tell us about the highs and lows of that senior season. Oh, yeah. So, oh, wow. You reading all of those things, it just makes me really proud of that season and that team and of all that we did together. Um, and it was so unexpected. So I think Audra, that's what made it so beautiful and fun. Um, and so what I do want to share, uh, something you didn't mention is that I was a walk-on. So I was not even a scholarship athlete uh, originally for the team. So I walked on my sophomore year at Notre Dame. I was on academic scholarship and I decided into my freshman year that I really needed to do something different. I felt like I was watching Oprah every day and I was doing some community service, but I really felt this pull to bring me back to basketball. And uh, there was an ad in the Observer, our newspaper that was for tryouts. And so I tried out and I made the team. And so that's a lens to use as I tell some of this, these stories is that I was ultimately a very big underdog on a team that was uh, underdog as well. And I think that really speaks to how um, I engage with life now. And uh, so, and I know that we'll talk a little bit more about that. So when you think about adversity, 
uh, my natural position in high school was a four. I was a power forward. I'm five, eight. I'm probably five, seven and a half now as the years go on, but I was five, eight. Yes. <laughs> I was five, eight at the time and super good uh, power forward. However, knowing what we all know about Division I basketball, that's not going to get you to the power. That height isn't going to get you to power forward. <laughs> and so as I tried out and made the team, I was then switched to two guard. Uh, I just remember in eighth grade when I was <laughs> power forward, my eighth grade coach would always say, you know, when I get the ball and we're getting ready to go back up the court, she'd say, big girls don't dribble, get the ball to a guard. And so <laughs> as I stood on the Notre Dame court uh, with the ball in my hand as a two guard, never playing this position again, I could hear her and I'm laughing. I'm like, yep, big girls do have to dribble sometimes. And that's what I'm going to have to be able to do and do really well at this level. And so uh, adversity was built in uh, for me personally at the very, very beginning, just being a walk-on, playing way out of position. I probably could have played division three um, easily at, at that height, uh, at that position that I was used to playing all my life. But that wasn't in the cards for me. And I think uh, being able to play a different position with the most elite athletes on a team that was a Cinderella team uh, my senior year really was the path that made all the difference for me. And so I wouldn't have it any other way. I think, you know, as we as people ask me a lot, why would you be a walk on? And I say, why not? Yeah. I can't imagine my life had I not taken that, that chance and, and really taking my pride out of it and going in with a humility of, I'm going to have a really wonderful experience with a, a unbelievable coach and team. And pride would have taken me out of that. And I'm, I'm so glad that it didn't. Um, That's and a some, great and, you know, things, lesson. That's a yeah. great lesson. Yeah. Things don't happen the way sometimes we expect it. Usually it's better. And I'm so glad that I made the decision. I made the team and then made the decision to play for three years after. That's great. And so that senior season, there were several team injuries. Give us a little sense for, yeah, the, the adversity that the yeah. team faced. So I think, so our team, so when I thought back, I thought, you know, Injuries was the headline, right? Because at a certain point, we had to pull in our, our manager, our team manager, Christy Grady, who, you know, uh, to play because we were that far down in terms of injuries. I think we were at the end, six scholarship players, plus I think me and Christy before I was hurt um, in the Big East tournament. And so when I think back, I don't think that we felt like there was so much adversity other than the injuries because, um, the season was so unexpected in terms of how far we got. Um, and so I think the only other adversity was that we were just exhausted. Uh, as you know, as any athlete knows, as the season goes on, your legs get more and more tired and you're down to, you know, seven people. You don't have a full practice squad and plus you're playing games. And so I think that was the biggest adversity was just really getting over that exhaustion, trying to stay as far away from injuries as we could. Uh, and just keeping mentally strong and tough as we were winning more and more games. So for the for people who, um, for that season in 97, we won the Big East tourney. And that's when I actually hurt myself. Uh, my senior se season, I was on a fast break and uh, stepped wrong, broke my hip. 
uh, we were playing uh, Rutgers, Vivian Stringer, and just stepped wrong, broke my hip, and was out. So from that point on, though, we were in the NCAAs. We were six seed. We beat Memphis. Then we beat Texas at Texas. We beat Alabama. You know, it was like, what is going on here? Uh, and then beating George Washington to get into the Final Four, which was just unbelievable you get there it's the swag it's all of these things that you get and the attention and um you know but again it's just it's just a, a normal game and so i think the high of just being the underdog and cinderella over and over and just thinking to ourselves we are this small 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 but mighty team making it so far um i think at the final four we just said finally hit the wall. We hit the Tennessee and Shamika Holdsclaw. If anybody remembers her, the legend. She was one of the best women's basketball players I've ever seen in my life in person. Um, so, it, so lots of highs, lots of lows just around, just making sure we stay away from injuries. Lessons learned from that season is I think, first of all, I always say this, it's just, just, you should always, always keep the faith because you just never, ever know what's in the cards, what's going to happen. And so keeping that faith and humility uh, and, and, and open to possibility is always, is always something. And I think we just kept the faith. Um, and I, I think there's a little bit around, or a lot around gratitude you know, there was this once in a lifetime opportunity that we weren't expecting at the time and had gone further than any team before us in the history of women's basketball at Notre Dame. And just this, this gratitude of, around it at every step of the way and every game that was won. And we're like, what is going on? And I think there is this deep sense of gratitude every step. Um, and then being present in the season, I think is another lesson that uh, we learned. And I, because I think certain dynasties, we weren't a dynasty yet. I would certainly call Notre Dame women's basketball a dynasty now. Uh, but at the time, we were able to be so present in everything because it was like, we are actually doing really well. And let me just be clear. We were a great basketball team, right? We had uh, a really great season and a really good basketball team. However, it just had not never happened before final four was never had not happened before so um, being able to be present and really enjoy it instead of maybe being a UConn or a Tennessee where you're like that's expected if we don't make it to the final four <laughs> that is you know too bad for our season that season isn't that true um, though sometimes with those high when you achieve at that level the expectations uh -huh. can take a little bit of the joy because you just expected to be. So what did that transition from, you know, again, that senior season, so many highs, some challenges, but then you're graduating and it's such a challenging time for student athletes because you lose so much of that sense of self, you're branching out and trying new things. How did that transition from college to career look like for you? And did you, you know, know exactly what you wanted to do walking out of those doors? I, so no. Um, so I loved my college experience. I just want to, I, I love Notre Dame. I love the experience. I love that I walked on. And so I'm really grateful for all of that. 
However, I wasn't your typical um, scholarship athlete. So in the summers, I was in an internship program, a four-year internship program, and worked in corporate America. Uh, and my internship was at Bank One, a bank, for four years. So I did different areas within the bank, um, uh, learning different skill sets and having different experiences. So um, I wasn't, I knew I wanted to be probably in the corporate world. I had business administration was... Uh, what I graduated in, and then my friends would even call me junior executive. So I, I knew that I, that was probably the place I was going to land, which made it a little bit easier as I worked through my senior year, what opportunities to, to really pursue. Um, so I utilized our career and college center quite a lot. I want to say I did maybe 50 to 60 interviews with different corporations that visited campus. Um, to, to make sure that I was making a very good decision for me. Um, and General Mills, the place that I, uh, I went to right out of college, recruited on campus for the sales office in Detroit. So the transition for me was a little bit different than maybe some other athletes in terms of I did not go use my summers and go to um, work out and do camps. I was actually in the corporate world, so I was a little more focused on that end just because I, I was a walk-on and um, there were no guarantees year to year um, what was going to happen in terms of basketball. So I still though say that basketball was a really big factor in uh, sometimes opening the doors for me for interviews. I am convinced that General Mills uh, the hiring manager at the time really loved the fact and was looking for someone to join his team that was an athlete because he understood he was an athlete himself and he understood the dedication, the uh, perseverance, the resilience, all of that that came with being an athlete, especially at the division one level. So um, I think it uh, being a walk on opened many doors for me um, as well. So um, so the transition wasn't uh, shocking or uh, hard for me just because I had my foot in the door already during college as I worked uh, summer. Yeah, that's great. And I think what you experienced is what we talk with student athletes about all the time is that it opens the doors. It is a connecting mm -hmm. point. It's a shared experience that can connect you to someone that can help open those doors for you. Um, what you do with that open door is equally important, but it can That's help. Right. It helps make that connection. So tell us about the choices and sort of the career path after General Mills and some of the twists and turns that your career took. Yeah. So as I was thinking about um, moving around within my career, just even from the very, very beginning, I've always paid attention to this like little small voice, I, I call it, uh, where I just am, I have a really good ability to be open to possibilities. So like with General Mills, um, I, I, my dad really urged me to, to go to General Mills out of the offers that I had because of the benefits. I got a company car and all of these other really adult things that he said I would appreciate later, which I do, like 401k and pension and all of that stuff. However, um, I was open and it was in sales. So I was like, I don't want to be the salesperson who, you know. 
However, I was open to the possibility as I learned more and more about the position, it was really more about um, business development, um, analytical kind of project management, utilizing marketing. So it was much different than sales. And so had I not been open to that possibility of it being different than what I thought a salesperson was, I would have missed the opportunity with General Mills. And so thank goodness my dad was there as well to help me kind of think through those. So knowing that I'm this kind of person who's open to possibilities, um, really paying attention to that kind of small voice inside, and then really understanding what I value. So like um, having a good understanding of myself and when things feel like, all right, I'm not exactly feeling like this is um, the right space for me at this point of evolution of my life, then I'm able, I really do listen to myself and, 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 and explore what the next step could be. And so I've had a very non-traditional career where um, I started at General Mills in sales and then that still small voice told me, we, Adrian, are not gonna sit through another meeting uh, for two hours to talk about whether we're gonna sell Cheerios at two for four or two for $5 this year. We cannot do that. <laughs> so we have got to find a different way. And so General Mills was really good about, okay, well, what do you want to do? And so I was able to then um, find an opportunity within the foundation, uh, which is uh, really uh, a fabulous opportunity to work with the community and give resources, general mail resources, whether it's volunteers or money to nonprofits within um, the community. And I worked at that time with the school district, Minneapolis Public Schools, and the superintendent there, and had come to a point in giving money away, which is harder than people think, because you have to say no about 90% of the time was given an opportunity to work directly with superintendent of Minneapolis Public Schools, who is, uh, her name is, Dr. is Bernadia Johnson, Dr. Bernadia Johnson, who's a black woman, black leader. And I felt really compelled to get closer to the mission of helping people and, and really offering encouragement and insight and energy uh, in all of those areas that I think I'm really good at uh, within that space and working for really, good women leader. And I, if I could back us up just a little bit to Muffet, I think she, along with my mom and my grandma, but she was one phenomenal woman leader who I think really kind of set me on the path of understanding how women can be powerful in, in a very influential way. Um, that is also caring and respectful of others. And so it was, amazing to play for her because she made such an impression on me and she was authentically herself. And I think, you know, when we talk about authenticity and what does that mean? She was authentically herself and she encouraged us to do the same. And the only way that you can really be authentic is to be really comfortable in your skin. And I think that's what I was able to see with Muffet is she knew who she was. She didn't make apologies for it. However, she wasn't this person that was just this kind of, um, you know, overwhelming, overpowering person. She was very responsible about her influence and power. She cared and she held us accountable and she had high expectations and she was really about uh, power and strength for women. And I think that set me into this path of 
um, where I really am passionate about the empowerment of women. And if I look back at different things that happened with my mom and my grandma and with other strong women, uh, Muffle V1 and then Superintendent Johnson, I was compelled to just really work with a strong woman leader, which brought me to the Minneapolis public school dis uh, system and district. And then uh, after five years, I was her chief of staff for five years. So I got to be a fly on the wall to see everything that is happening at a very high matrix organization level. And then she resigned, was able to really witness a leader at a very major matrix organization with, polit with politics involved, elected board involved, and her being a black woman. It, and that is different. Then her experience is very different than a white man experience or a white woman's experience. So um, it was really interesting and so glad I did that. Um, and so once she resigned, I was kind of free uh, to look and say, okay, what is my voice saying now? And I kid you not, I saw a commercial for the Super Bowl host committee. Maureen um, Bausch was on the commercial. She was going to do a speech and that was maybe three years before Super Bowl came to town. And I remember thinking to myself and calling my sister, I was like, you know what, I bet Super Bowl host committee needs people to do some work. And I said, I'm going to try to see what, uh, what it is and maybe how I can get involved. And so I um, was talking at a party one day, a birthday party I had at my house for a friend and a friend of a friend of a friend was standing next to me. Uh, asking what I was going to do next with my life now that I was done with the school district. And I said, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to do foundation or maybe uh, go into some consulting or strategy work. And I said, or, you know, it'd be fun working for the Super Bowl host committee. And, and he was like, well, you know what, I'm going to go uh, speak with Maureen. I have a meeting with her on Monday. Give me your resume. And the rest is history. So I was able to, I know it's just, it's like, it's, it's, it's like opportunity comes and you just, you got to rise and meet it. So doors open, just like you said, Audra, doors open. However, you can't not be ready for those opportunities and you can't not have this idea of being open to the possibilities of, of things happening. So went to the Super Bowl host committee. I also, he also had connections with Kevin Warren at the time with the Vikings. So we did a split position for a while, Vikings, Minnesota Super Bowl host committee. Just too hard logistically. It was hard to uh, make sure that I was having impact to both organizations. So then went full-time for Super Bowl for two years. Worked there, did project risk management. Um, and then we're coming to the end of the story, I promise. And then <laughs> once the Super Bowl was over, I was able to take a step back, talk to my, you know, kind of have a meeting with myself about what was next and decided I wanted uh, just, I got a call from an executive search firm about consulting. And I thought how perfect because I've had all of these really wealth, this wealth of experience from um, job to organization to industry. And I thought, why not be a consultant? So that's what I decided to do. And, and now so happy at the Priority Project. It's one of my favorite roles, one of my favorite organizations. And I'm just really grateful to be there. Love it. And I, I just love your story because <laughs> I think sometimes, particularly as young adults, and I was in this camp, I thought it had to be step A, B, C, D, and nope. all mapped out. But it can come together in this beautiful way when you let it happen. And 
you let uh, it happen. I agree. That's fantastic. I, I agree. I love the way that you said it. You, it can come together in a beautiful way if you let it happen. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly, exactly right. And you, and, you know, and I don't want to pass judgment on people who do have a, a set plan and it works for them, right? They're like, I'm going to be president of this organization in five years. And so they have a roadmap and they do the things they need to do and the experiences they need to have. And that could make them perfectly happy too. So I don't want to pass judgment on that. However, my... Uh, journey was not that. And I feel that I have such a wealth of experience and network and uh, relationships with people as a result of it, um, that that was right for me. So I just want to make sure I don't pass judgment because there are all, there are so many ways to get to where you want to be. And it's all about identifying what that is for you and what's right for you. And then making sure that's your North star. Um, and not trying to be something that you're not. And isn't that at the heart of it though? I mean, mm-hmm. there is no one right way. Nope. It has to no. be true to you and then it'll be perfect. Then it will work. I agree. I agree. I, it makes me think about like, you know, um, as people are thinking about what's next for them, maybe they lost their season uh, as a senior or, you know, just it, sports isn't working out, they're getting shifted to the spring. And, you know, I think about what, when I lost my, the rest of my senior season after I broke my hip, I was thinking like, what, what, what did I go through then? And I really understand that there was this period of mourning and loss. It's like, I lost the rest of my season. And that, I think that's reasonable and normal. But what I didn't do was get stuck in that and get stuck in the morning of, you know, wanting it to be what it wasn't. I broke my hip, I had broken my hip, uh, you know, and I accepted that. And I got there quickly. And I think that's what happens with uh, people who can really adjust. And I think as athletes, that what we do, we have this ability to literally pivot (laughs) and understand, okay, that's what we thought was going to happen in that play. And now there's this, it's actually, this is what's happening. And so I need to be able to react or respond or whatever it is um, that we need to do. And so um, being able to pivot and accept Um, is so helpful as you think about your career and career loss or career gain and um, at a deeper sense. And I think we were getting to this a little bit. Everyone's path is different. And what is my identity in this path? It's not wrapped in this single game or this single team or this single season. It's really about that I am valuable, worthy. I am a person who is here to engage in this world in a very healthy and impactful and powerful way, no matter what happens. And I also believe just on a kind of deeper sense than that, that whatever is going to happen or supposed to happen will happen. It might not look the way you think it was going to look, but if I, you know, if you really peel back the layers of life, whatever I believe, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. And whatever's for you is for you. So my trajectory of life was not changed because I didn't get to play in the final six or eight games of that senior season. In fact, it probably impacted because I was able to pivot and respond in a way that says, all right, what it is, what it is, what am I, what am I going to grow from and learn from and be a student of from the storm? I think that then changed the trajectory of my life. 
because it could have gone really badly. It could have been bitterness and, oh, what was me and why did this happen? And I think that's kind of a lesson for everyone in life. It's like, whatever is being lost, you don't need it anyway. And it's not going to change what's going to happen for you. And so how do you really understand that and, and, and move within that to, to accept what's next and grow and what's next is going to be better? That could be the best career advice I think I've ever heard in my life. And great advice for these student athletes who are struggling with that loss mm -hmm. and they need to acknowledge it and feel it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. take it and take it for the experience it is. And that's go. right. Yeah, that's, that's right. fantastic. Thank you for that. Well, tell me a little about the work that you do at Proudy Project. I think students here consulting and it's this vague abyss of unknown uh, tell us about that and then i'm really excited to hear more also about the work that you do with proudy i will yeah no i'd love to share a little bit more so i'm with the proudy project and it was started a little over 30 years ago by jeff proudy who uh, worked for pwc for a number of years went to harvard business school for about six weeks and said you know what nope this is all theory. He was like, I am not going to do this. I'm going to start my own firm because I really feel like consulting can be done differently and it can be done with heart. And so that's what started the Proudy Project 30 years ago. And what we do is we really help CEOs and their leadership teams with strategies. So planning strategy and also developing their leaders. And what, how, what we do is any consultant you talk to who does that kind of work, um, we're not trend setting or, or breakthrough on that. What, how we do it is unique and like a, a breath of fresh air uh, because we are all about um, connecting to people at the heart level, whether it's through music or movement or laughter and um, just really trying to um, connect through questions and understanding our clients um, really well. So what that looks like on a practical level is we design and we facilitate um, the planning of sessions and of strategic plans. And we also do some experiential immersive work with leaders. So that is this whole black box of consulting is really working to get you from where you are to where you want to be with a plan and the people in place to do That's it. That's great. So from the standpoint of I'm a college student, I'm a recent college graduate and have mm -hmm. thought, ooh, consulting sounds great. That work sounds really, really fun. What skills, what qualities do you look for when hiring for Prouty and what makes a really good consultant? Yeah, yeah. So we are, uh, we bring in what we call associate consultants. And so they're there to help the senior consultants, my um, role to really design and logistically plan and get ready for these sessions and all that's involved with that. And at the same time, as they evolve and grow in that role, they begin to take on some of the parts of those sessions where they would potentially lead them or be able to do um, some of the summary reports. And so very early on, there's a skill set that's um, important at that time just to be able to learn the business and understand what's going on. 
And there needs to be this potential to grow into a senior consultant who's delivering the services. And so I think at the very base level, if we were to be looking at um, consultants coming in, we really want them to want to be a senior consultant. <laughs> so that would be number one. You should want to eventually grow into that role and then be able to uh, be a very good communicator. So you have to be able to talk and communicate well, write well, listen, um, ability to really, and you know, maybe not right away, but ability to read between the lines because you're dealing with teams and dynamics and usually their CEOs and the leadership team have lots of dynamics going on. So the ability to, to be a communicator, listener, understander of context is one thing that we would ask. And then just the basic level of, and this is something that could be learned, um, facilitating meetings uh, and high level meetings, not you know just kind of your basic, it's these high level strategic conversations um, there needs to be an ability or a willingness to learn how to do that. Um, I would say at a certain point, and this is where we would work to, to help with that, is just a diverse work experience. I think one of my, one of my real strengths coming into Prouty because I had not facilitated before was that I had a lot of experience in different industries and uh, different roles. So it, I'm able to always pull, no matter what client, I'm able to pull and have language and uh, examples and stories. And I've seen this before kind of moments uh, that I can apply. So that's something that comes with time, um, but would be something that we'd look for somebody to be willing to do. And uh, again, as an athlete, um, I think Prouty even wanted to look at, as they were hiring, wanted to look at some people who were athletes in the past, because you have to have a real strong ability to think on your feet and pivot. And tell us about the Prouty I will. Uh, so as I talked earlier on about Muffet and my mom and grandmothers and Bernadia Johnson and all the great women leaders I had at General Mills, I have come from a long history and line of knowing what, uh, what power women have and how do we, and really a passion around how do we unleash that power in everyone. And I think sports is a big part of the reason why I'm um, able to be so resilient and confident and aware of myself and aware of my team and really uh, reliable about and accountable and all of those things. And so I brought that passion with me when I started with Prouty Project a little over two years ago. And another consultant, Ann Davidman also, um, had that same kind of passion. Uh, and as we came to the Prouty Project, we both thought, you know what, there's a real need uh, just in the world in general, as well as in the clients that we're seeing and working with around women's leadership. So we went to Jeff Prouty and asked and said, could we potentially just start, uh, you know, if we designed a women's leadership program, would you be, would you be okay launching it? And he said, sure. So we spent about a year, Anne's in market research, she was with Target before Prouty, and um, I had lots of experience as well uh, in my background around how do we research, find out what are the open spaces, what resonates with women, what are we hearing they really need? So we spent about a year to design a program that really resonated women, with women and came out with what we call Prouty I Will, which is igniting women in leadership and life. And the whole purpose of uh, Proudy I Will is it, to ignite women to purpose. Uh, and we just felt it was so important that purpose be the core of whatever we're doing within women. 
in women's leadership and we focus on the whole self. So sometimes you'll see leadership programs designed for women that are focused very much on the workplace, knowing uh, who we were as an organization and that we're really tied to heart. We felt like we are women in this world and we want it to be around whole self. And so our belief is that if women are connected to purpose and meaningfully connected to others, um, then they will be an am amazing leader. So that was our premise. And so we came up with a 20 woman cohort program as our first offering out of this, where we have three three day retreats uh, over a year with the same 20 women to talk about just those things, self and how am I connected to myself and my purpose, um, others, how do we connect authentically to others? And then how do I then use that knowledge to be this inspiring leader and amazing leader that we all know that we are? Uh, and so that's Pride I Will. We launched that last fall. And um, we unfortunately have to keep delaying our final retreat that was supposed to happen in May because of COVID. However, have gotten just really great response from our women. They are so connected to each other. Um, and that's the secret sauce that we found is that we have great content, we have uh, great experiences. However, we got the chemistry of the group right. And they really clicked as a group. And that's where all of the magic is happening is in those real connections. And a lot of the women came in just saying, I need a support network. I, I really want women who understand me, who are going through some of the same things, knowing that I'm not alone and being able to connect with them on that level has been just a really valuable part of our program. Well, this is just golden information and perspective. And I cannot thank you enough for sharing your story with all of us. I I'm wondering if you're ready for the rapid fire question portion. I am ready. I am ready. So first and foremost, if you could put together a basketball team of current or former players, who would you be playing with? Who'd be out on the court with you? Yes. So uh, very easily, I talked about it early, Shamika Holdsclaw uh, back in the day. I would put in my sister, Stephanie. Me and Stephanie uh, played together for three of the four years. She was one year ahead of me. And so our coach would joke, we would like brick the ball and she'd get the rebound and then she'd brick it and I'd get the rebound. And so he's like, I think you're just doing that to raise your stats. Like, but that's my sister would be on the team. And then Neil Ivey, who was a point guard at the time, uh, would be she's now the head coach of Notre Dame she took over for Muffet this last year I would definitely have her as a point guard and Katrina Gaither who I played with uh she was a phenomenal five uh just I would bring her in I loved her work ethic she was just a gentle gentle person and soul until she hit that court um so uh, those would be my five Shamika my sister Stephanie Neal Ivy Katrina Gaither and me. wow that would be a fun fun <laughs> team to watch Fun. Who is your Fun. favorite female athlete? I love this question. Robin Roberts. So would you rather have the superpower ability to fly or be invisible? Oh, that's hands down fly. What's the last show that you binge watched? That, uh, so I am, my daughter just laughs and laughs about, I am a huge documentary fan. If you have a documentary, I will watch it. I love documentary. I love slices of life. So the last one I just watched, it just came out, World's Toughest Race. What is the last book that you read? I am a huge, huge reader. And so How to Be an Anti-Racist is, yes. uh, that was just, it's Anybody by um, Ibram Kendi. It's just 
amazing. And I'm also, so I was reading that at the same time. I'm also on this Malcolm Gladwell kick. I love him. Um, and I love the way he thinks he's brilliant. And so I just finished, I hadn't yet read it blink. And it's all about the power of using your instinct and your uh, unconscious to make decisions sometimes versus overwhelming yourself with information. Well, thank you so ah, much for sharing you. with us today and taking the time. It's always so fun to talk to you. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Her Next Play Power Chat podcast. We hope you've been inspired to become part of our community and join us in our mission to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. You can help support us by heading to our website at www hernextplay.org to join our booster club as a donor or a volunteer and follow us on linkedin instagram facebook or twitter at her next play to learn more about our programs and upcoming events we'll be back soon for the next power chat